0: We are technically in Isaiah chapter 36. Don't turn there. You have already heard Isaiah chapter 36. You have also heard Isaiah chapter 37 because they are identical to 2 Kings chapters 18 and 19. A couple of weeks ago, in order to establish the context historically, Of these particular prophecies that we've been reading in Isaiah, we went back and read 2 Kings 18 and 19 so that we could understand the events that were happening there in Jerusalem concerning the king of Assyria. And in fact, pretty much everything up until this point in the book of Isaiah has primarily concerned Jerusalem and the king of Assyria, and the Assyrian invasion, taking the northern tribes captive, and then attempting to take Jerusalem, which caused King Hezekiah a great deal of fear and caused Hezekiah to come to Isaiah, looking for Isaiah to intercede before God to protect Jerusalem. And so because you have already heard chapter 36 and 37, we're not going to read them again If you wanted to hear them, you could just go back a couple weeks in the archives, and you could hear those chapters read out. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 32, there is a summation of Isaiah 36 and 37, and 2 Kings 18 and 19, and that summary gives us a little bit of the background and motivation for why Hezekiah did the things he did. So turn to 2 Chronicles, chapter 32. And actually, this whole section of 2 Chronicles has to do with King Hezekiah and how, in chapter 30, he reestablished the Passover, and he invited even Ephraim and Manasseh, the northern kingdoms, to come down and celebrate the Passover. By the way, Passover this year, 2021 starts this coming Saturday. Just thought I'd throw that in. After that, he went around and destroyed idols. He pulled down the asherim. He took out the groves all over Judah and Benjamin and also up into some of the northern kingdom areas. And he established a tremendous number of reforms And he followed after the law of God. He was trying to reestablish the law of God as the law of the land. At the end of chapter 31, starting at verse 20, we read, And thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And every work which he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment, Seeking his God, he did with all his heart, and he prospered. Chapter 32 now is the beginning of the summation of the story that you heard from Second Kings. After these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and besieged the fortified cities and thought to break into them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he decided with his officers and his warriors to cut off the water supply from the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. So many people assembled and stopped up all the springs and the streams that flowed through the region, saying, why should the king of Assyria come and find abundant water? He took courage, and he rebuilt all the wall that had been broken down, and he erected towers on it, and built another outside wall, and made weapons and shields in great numbers. And he appointed military officers over the people, and gathered them to him in the square at the city gate, and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous, do not fear, do not be dismayed. Because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the multitude which is with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him is only an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah the king of Judah. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem while he was besieging Lachish with all his forces with him against Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and against all Judah who were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, On what are you trusting that you are remaining in Jerusalem under siege? Is not Hezekiah misleading you? to give yourselves over to die by hunger and thirst, saying the Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before one altar and on it you shall burn incense? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of the lands Were the gods of the nations of the lands able at all to deliver their land from my hand? Who was there among all the gods of the nations, which my father utterly destroyed, who could deliver his people out of my hand? That your God should be able to deliver you from my hand. Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you like this. And do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less shall your God deliver you from my hand? And his servants spoke further against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to insult the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, as the gods of the nations of the lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah shall not deliver his people from my hand. And they called this out with a loud voice in the language of Judah to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten and to terrify them so that they might take the city. And they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as the gods of the peoples of the earth. The work of men's hands. As you hear those words that Sennacherib is saying, and the way that his officials are making fun of, putting down Yahweh, can you see why back in chapter 10 we read that God used Assyria in order to punish Israel, but then because of the haughtiness of heart with which Assyria did it, God then punished Assyria? This is a bit of an example of the haughtiness of the heart of the Assyrians who don't even know that they're being used by Yahweh in order to punish his people Israel. And so they are mocking Yahweh as they're doing it. Verse 20 tells us, But King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed about this and cried out to heaven, And the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. They don't tell us the number here. We know from Isaiah's account that it's 185,000 in one night. The Lord sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned in shame to his own land. And when he had entered the temple of his God, some of his own children killed him there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. And many were bringing gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and choice presents to Hezekiah, the king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all the nations thereafter. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. That's what we're going to begin reading about tonight in Isaiah. We're going to read about the illness of Hezekiah, and how Isaiah is going to predict then that God is going to add another 15 years, because not only was Hezekiah a good king, but then he cried out to God, when he realized that he was going to be cut down before his days. And so God added to his life and then gave him a sign to prove to him that this was true. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill and he prayed to the Lord and the Lord spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah gave no return for the benefit he received because His heart was proud. Yet another king taken down because of pride. Therefore, wrath came on him and on Judah and on Jerusalem. However, Hezekiah humbled the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come on them in the days of Hezekiah. That's all we're going to read from 2 Chronicles. What you're going to find out when we start reading about the sickness of Hezekiah is that the sickness and his writing in response to it all occurred before the king of Assyria attacked Jerusalem. God did, in fact, deliver Hezekiah from the hand of Sennacherib, the Assyrian king. So that's what the chronicler is putting in proper order here that first hezekiah was sick and then because he didn't return the benefit give god their proper credit his heart became proud then wrath came upon judah and jerusalem that was the assyrian army coming on them hezekiah then humbled the pride of his heart that's when he went to isaiah cried out to god prayed facing toward a wall humbled himself And then God saved both he and the residents of Jerusalem. In Isaiah, that does not run chronologically. Turn to the book of Isaiah. That summary that we just read was chapter 36 and 37. In chapter 37, you can read about Hezekiah taking a letter from the hand of the messenger and reading it. And then spreading it out before the Lord and praying and crying out to the Lord, humbling himself before the Lord. And then God answered Hezekiah through Isaiah, giving him the promise that he was going to protect Jerusalem. Chapter 38 then starts. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. Okay, now we know where that fits. In a couple of verses, we're going to hear that the king of Assyria was still threatening Jerusalem. So that's how we know that the sickness happened before the Assyrians were all wiped out by God and 185,000 in a night. So that's how we know that it's not chronological. But then what's happening in the book of Isaiah, and I just want you to get the big picture because I've already said that these first almost 40 chapters have all been about Israel during the time that they are being threatened by Sennacherib and by the Assyrians. And that's what has taken up the entire first part of this book but once the Assyrians are taken away Isaiah is going to turn his attention to Babylon because it is ultimately Babylon that is going to conquer Judah and take them into captivity so from chapter 40 forward you're not going to hear much anymore about Assyria you're suddenly going to hear these predictions about Babylon and that's going to take up really the next big portion of the book of Isaiah in those days Hezekiah became mortally ill and Isaiah the prophet the son of Amos, came to him and said to him thus says the Lord set your house in order that you shall die and not live then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall And prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. That's why we read the account out of the Chronicles so that you could see that the Chronicles even record that Hezekiah was, in fact, a good king and that he did break down the idols and he did take down the the ashram, and he did reinstitute the feasts of the Lord, and he was trying to bring them back societally under the law of God. So Hezekiah is not saying anything here that isn't technically true. Remember that I have walked before you in truth with a whole heart, and I have done what is good in your sight. And he wept bitterly, and then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, behold I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. So there's your evidence chronologically that the Assyrian incursion right to the Gates of Jerusalem had not yet happened. So God says that he's going to protect Jerusalem from Assyria and that he's going to give 15 more years to Hezekiah. Now, these are the kind of moments in the Bible where we who believe in the sovereignty of God and who think we have all of our theological ducks in a row, sort of like Steve was talking about last night, about his friend who had studied the Bible for years and years and eight hours a day and taught as a professor and everything else. And he said, every time I think I've got my systematics correct, there's something in the Bible that upsets my systematics. Well, this is one of those moments because we know that God does everything according to his own purpose, known unto God or all his ways from the beginning. And yet when you read this on the surface, it sounds like God changed his mind like he was going to kill Hezekiah and he said he was going to kill Hezekiah and then he didn't kill Hezekiah. It's very much like Jonah being told to go to Nineveh and say, God is going to destroy Nineveh. And then when they repent in sackcloth and ashes, God doesn't destroy Nineveh, which really upsets Jonah because he's gone in and predicted this thing that's not going to occur. So when we see things like this, we have to ask ourselves, Is this, in fact, God changing his mind or is this, in fact, exactly what God had always intended? I argue it's what God had always intended based on what we read back in the Chronicles that he had gotten haughty in his heart. So God then humbled him. And this is the way that he humbled him. Okay, then you're going to die. And then when he was humble before God, went back to God, prayed to God, realized his life was in God's hands, God said, you've got 15 more years. I think God always knew he was going to have that 15 more years. What God did was make sure that he got humbled so that he was a good king for the next 15 years because God was about to deliver him and Jerusalem from the hand of the Assyrians so that they would not be able to take Jerusalem during Hezekiah's time as king. It was when Hezekiah's son becomes king that then the Babylonians are going to conquer Jerusalem. I argue that God did all of this according to his own master plan. I think he knew he was not going to destroy Nineveh because Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And he was going to use Assyria later to punish his people Israel. He knew all that. Nineveh was a very big player in the plan of God. So he didn't destroy it, but he still sent Jonah to go tell them they were going to be destroyed so that they would repent in sackcloth and ashes because had they continued in their sin and rebellion, God, in his own righteousness, would have punished them. The same way that he brought Israel into the land of milk and honey, but he had them for 400 years in Egypt before he finally brought them to the land of milk and honey, into Canaan, because, he says, the people who were dwelling there at the time, the Amorites, that their sin hadn't yet come to the full. But when it came to the full, it was time to destroy them. And I think God knew he wanted to keep Assyria, so he wasn't going to let their sin come to the full, and so he got them to repent. I think it's the same thing he did here. He can make whole cities repent. He can make individuals repent. But what we do know for sure is known unto God are all his ways from the beginning. So I don't believe that he changed his mind, especially since we're told that the character and nature of God is that he never changes. There's no variableness, no shadow of turning. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changed his mind. Nothing ever occurred to him. And so I believe that this was all part of the process of God humbling Hezekiah And you got to remember that the next time you're going through a difficulty in your life or a sickness in your life, some tragedy in your life, remember that that is not God abandoning you, that is God teaching you. That's God humbling you. That's God instructing you in order to keep you on the correct path as you continue this lifetime. So the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. His father, by the way, Hezekiah's father was King Ahaz, and he was actually given the same offer. God said, ask me for anything. Ask me for something. And he, thinking he was being humble, said, oh, I I couldn't ask for anything, no. And so God said, all right, then I'll give you a sign. A virgin will conceive. And God started speaking all eschatologically about the coming of Christ. I think that helped Hezekiah, because Hezekiah knew, okay, dad already stumbled on this one. God says, I'm going to give you a sign. And this shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will cause the shadow on the stairway, which has gone down with the sun on the stairway of Ahaz, to go back 10 steps now basically what he's describing here is that there was a window in the castle that shone on a stairway that had been built by his father ahaz and it worked like a sundial and so as you saw the sunshine moving down the steps of the stairs you knew what time of day it was because you could tell that the sun was arcing across the heavens and then finally setting You could see it as the sun came up, and you could use it all day long to know what time it was. So God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make that sunlight go backwards 10 steps. Now, there's no explanation here in the text to tell us how he did that. You don't read anywhere in the history of the world or in the history of the Bible that the whole world went back a couple hours may have happened we just don't know it's not written anywhere this may have been a very localized thing this may have been God saying I'm going to do something for you that is so incredible I'm going to make the sun move directions only in your house only in your castle maybe he refracted the light in some way but what we do know is that the sunlight by which time was told there in the castle went back up 10 steps when it typically always went down. Now you know that when Hezekiah saw that, that was a pretty good sign because who else could do that? There was no human being that was going to be able to pull that one off. Behold, I will cause the shadow on the stairway, which has gone down with the sun on the stairway of Ahaz to go back 10 steps. So the sun went back 10 steps on the stairway, on which it had gone down. Now, while Hezekiah was sick, he did some writing. Starting at chapter 9, we read, this is a writing of Hezekiah, the king of Judah, after his illness and his recovery. Here's what he wrote. I said, in the middle of my life, I am to enter the gates of Sheol. I am to be deprived of the rest of my years I said I shall not see the Lord the Lord in the land of the living I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world like a shepherd's tent my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me as a weaver I rolled up my life he cuts me off from the loom from day until night Thou dost make an end of me. I composed my soul, my character, my being. The NASB adds the words my soul. In other words, I prepared myself. I got ready to die. I composed my soul until morning. Like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night, thou dost make an end of me. Like a swallow, like a crane, so I twitter and I moan like a dove. My eyes look wistfully on the heights. Oh, Lord, I am oppressed. Be my security. He's saying, I I cry, I whimper. I look out at the world. I look wistfully on the hills in the distance. And I realize as I'm looking at the world, I'm not going to see this anymore. I'm about to leave this world. Verse 15, what shall I say? For he has spoken to me and he himself has done it. I really like that. This past Sunday, we looked at Paul saying that whatever situation he was going through, whatever happened to him, that he would always bow the knee to God in whatever the circumstances were. Because, number one, you're not going to change the mind of an absolutely sovereign God. He knows what he's doing. Complaining about it won't help. Learning to accept it is what gave Paul hope and confidence through the difficulties of his life. Hezekiah here says the same thing. I've been told now that I'm going to die, and my only option is to accept it. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall wander about all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and let me live. Lo, for my own welfare I had great bitterness. It is thou who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For thou hast cast all my sins behind your back there's an interesting theology for the king of Israel to already have of course he has the psalms to read, he has the writing of David he knows that God is going to cast sins of his chosen people from the east to the west far away from himself and so here is Hezekiah at the point of his death saying that you're the one who has kept my soul from the pit you're the one who is going to preserve me and take care of me because you've cast all my sins behind your back for Sheol cannot thank you I like that logic if you'd put me in the pit and just left me in the grave I can't worship you, I can't praise you, I can't thank you but you have forgiven me and are going to bring me to yourself so that you're going to get glory and honor as I say thank you to you death cannot praise you Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is the living who give thanks to you, as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. The Lord will surely save me. So we will play my songs on stringed instruments all the days of our life at the house of the Lord. So notice how he started out. His soul was in bitterness. And then when he got his eyes off himself, off his circumstances, off the fact that he felt that he was too young to die, and he got his eyes back on God and recognized that God was going to preserve him, was going to forgive him, was going to bring him to be with him, his whole mindset changed to, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be singing songs, I'm going to be playing instruments, I'm going to be praising your faithfulness, I'm going to be with you you will surely save me, and all the days of my life I'm going to be in the house of the Lord. Verse 21 Now Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil that he may recover. That's an interesting little thing to just throw in there. Now we know that some part of this sickness that was going to kill him, this mortal illness that took him had to do with a boil. And Isaiah said, here's how to treat the boil. Then Hezekiah had said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? I think Hezekiah at this point was asking, show me some sign that I am going go to go the, to the Lord, to the house of the Lord, that when I die, when I leave the planet, that I'm going to be saved. Give me some sign of that. Instead, he got a sign that you're going to get 15 more years here. Okay, so now I think we've put that all in a proper chronology, and now we're going to talk about one of the dumber things that Hezekiah ever does. Because just like human beings, the minute that he's okay again, the minute that he's told, you're bulletproof for another 15 years, now that he's seen the sign of God making the sun go up 10 steps, now that he has seen that, he's very confident within himself. At that time, says chapter 39. Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, who is the king of Babylon. Okay, we know quite a bit about this king, this Merodach Baladan. We know when he was king, and we know when Sennacherib attacked Jerusalem. Well, at least got to Jerusalem. So based on those time stamps, we know that the sickness that Hezekiah underwent happened around 701 B.C. So now we know that he would have died right around 714 B.C. That gives us some idea when Isaiah is predicting these things to him and when these events are happening in his life. And so this king of Babylon, when he hears that Hezekiah, who, don't forget, was very rich, very well-to-do, and he was a good king, and he was a highly respected king. And so this king of Babylon brings a gift to Hezekiah because he had been so sick and was expected to die and then recovered. So Hezekiah makes the critical error that is going to result in Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, attacking Jerusalem, and conquering Jerusalem, and taking Judah into captivity. This is a turning point, not only in the history of Jerusalem, this is a turning point in the book of Isaiah, because as I said to you, from chapter 40 forward, it's going to have to do with Babylon, and we're done with Assyria, which was the first 40 chapters of the book. At that time, Merodach Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. For he heard that he had been sick and that he had recovered. And Hezekiah was pleased. He got full of himself, which we read a couple of times. That's Hezekiah's downfall. That's why we read it in the Chronicles, that he got lifted up in pride. Hezekiah was pleased, and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious oil and his whole armory, and all that was found in all his treasuries. And there was nothing in his house, nor in all of his dominion, that Hezekiah did not show them. If you're a foreign king and you want a bunch of riches fast, you know exactly who to go fight. You know who the people are that you need to conquer. And then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where have they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. I think he said that kind of dig me. From a far country, from Babylon, they came to see me. That's right. And he said, What have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown to them. Dig me. (laughs) Tom shaking his head out of disbelief. You, you, You did what? Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house And all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your sons who shall issue from you, whom you shall beget, shall be taken away, and they shall become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good, for he thought, for there will be peace and truth in my days. So now you know what he thought. He thought, oh, I get 15 years. Well, then I'm going to keep being a good king. and There's going to be peace. And since there's going to be peace with me and all my neighbors and all the foreign countries, I'm completely safe to show them whatever I want to show them. I mean, after all, they're going to see my glory and they're going to be really, really impressed. I mean, kings and queens came from distances to see King Solomon. Here a king has come from a distance. So I'm going to show them my stuff and show them what a great king I am. And because he did all that in his pride, Isaiah says, you're going to lose it all. And even your own sons, the repetition is interesting your own sons who are your own issue, the ones that you will beget. He's making it very clear. Those sons are going to end up serving the king in Babylon. They're not going to be here being king after you. They're not going to inherit your great wealth. They're not going to inherit your reputation. They're going to be serving the king of Babylon. But then I like the fact that Hezekiah, one more time, Hezekiah, who can be so full of himself, sort of like we all can. But Hezekiah, when he's humbled, he knows that's God, that's the Lord. I bow the knee, I don't have a choice here. And so he says, the word that you've spoken is good. And then Isaiah tells us parenthetically, because he thought there will be peace and truth in my days. Chapter 40 is going to start Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God, and that is the beginning of the next big section of the book of Isaiah. That is where we will begin next week, God willing. Questions? Answers? imagine, Imagine knowing that you had 15 more years, and as that 15th year approached. Yeah. You're at like 14 and a half. Yeah. Okay, I don't have much time left now. God told me. Yeah. But the good news is that God also said, as long as you're alive, I'm going to protect Jerusalem. The Babylonian thing wasn't going to happen until after Hezekiah's death. So that's what gave him the impression well, then it's all going to be peace and safety. But God still has his plan, and Jerusalem is still going to be humbled. It's just going to be by a different king different situation and that's going to take us by the way into the time of Daniel that's going to take us into the time of Jeremiah who's running almost concurrent with Isaiah just they sort of overlap toward the end of Isaiah's prophetic ministry and the beginning of Jeremiah's because Jeremiah then is going to pick up that mantle and talk about the 70 years that they're going to be in Babylon and And it is Daniel in Babylon at the end of the 70 years who's going to look at the prophet Jeremiah and say, "Okay, it's 70 years. It's nearly up. Deliver your people back. So hopefully that gives you a a greater sense of how the prophets all fall out in the history of Jerusalem. Thank you for listening to this week's Salvation by Grace message. We encourage you to visit our website at salvationbygrace.org and we invite you to join us next time when we gather around the Word and study the sovereign grace of God.